got sick. And both of us walked around the house miserably sneezing and coughing. I never heard a cat sneeze in my whole entire life. And me and my cat sat on the couch all last week going, hachoo! And, and he'd have his tissue, and I'd have my tissue, and we'd just say, oh. And uh, we just sat there and watched TV the whole, the whole time. But uh, I never ended up at the doctor, but I checked to make sure I didn't have any diseases or anything like that, and I didn't. But um, they, my wife took the cat to the doctor. <laughs> she didn't take me, um, but she took the cat uh, to, the, to the vet. And listen what the vet said. It is the most hilarious thing I've ever heard in my life, and it's what I want done in my life. He said, what this cat needs more than anything in this world is a stress-free environment. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? That's the best diagnosis a man can get right there. What, you, what I need more than anything is off. You all leave me alone. That's what I need. Right? I just need to be left alone and, and have peace and quiet. And I thought, you know what, that's, that's good to hear. We need more vets like that in this world today and going around. I think next time I'm sick, I'm going to him. Um, and to see if, if that's the same diagnosis I get. Uh, and I can hold up a sign. I'm sorry, you cannot cause me stress. I have a prescription right here. But in life, fighting has always been part of our lives. Some of us are good fighters and some of us are bad fighters. Some of us do not fight correctly, and some of us cheat when we fight. Um, and, and, but we all have that notion about us that we fight. We call them different words because it sounds better. Sometimes we don't call them fights. We call them conflicts, um, arguments, bickering, little disputes. They go. We had a feud, a family feud. You remember that in, on TV? A uh, squabble. Sometimes it ends up in fisticuffs. I don't even know what that means. But fisticuffs is, is a word that we've used. Had a squabble, a spat, a tiff, a falling out. My mom used to say they had a knockdown drag out. Um, is how they, she would um, put it. But we've seen tons and tons of disagreements in our lifetime. Not only have we seen tons and tons of disagreements, but we've been part of them. And I know that we're at church and the majority of us think about church fights. You know what? I've heard of some and been part of some, some weird, weird fights. And um, I don't like them at all. And, and I wish they never existed. Um, a couple Wednesday nights ago, we had a, had a business meeting. Um, might have been last Wednesday. I can't remember when it was. Two Wednesday nights ago. And you know what? There wasn't just but like 25 people there. Uh, nobody complained about nothing. No, nothing was brought up bad. Nothing, and it just lasted for a few minutes. And then we went home laughing, and nothing happened about it. And some people say, "Well, that wasn't much." You know what? That's the greatest thing in the world. Because I've been taught my whole entire life: if you go to church on Wednesday night, business meeting, and the parking lot's full, just turn around and go home. Because <laughs> you're done, buddy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so um, that's just what's how it is. You know. And so it's always been that, that way and, and, and that we've always seen those. But what we don't understand is something that was such a huge part of a life. God knows that. And God has allowed for me and you to know that fighting with our spouses and fighting with our siblings and, and fighting with our work 
um, people and the school people and church people. That's not something new, but God is able to help you with that situation. Um, I can ask you today to be honest, and it's going to be hard for you to be honest, but I'm asking. Uh, are you having a little squabble with somebody right now? Are you in a little bit of a feud among yourselves? And most of us say, ah, not really. You're a liar. <laughs> There's somebody in every one of us, might not get, right now we'd like to knock right upside the head. You know what I'm saying? I got a list of people. You know what I'm saying? I know, I know I'm not allowed to do it. You know what I'm saying? But I can still get, have the list. You know what I'm saying? You can still have that. Uh, but we all have that difficulty um, in our lives, so we know that we need help in that area in our lives. So the question that we're going to struggle with today is to fight or not to fight. And I know that me and you understand that there's times that we should fight and there's times that we should not fight. There's things that we should fight for and there's some things that we should not fight for. And we need to understand that as born-again believers and be able to grab hold of that and understand that situation. James chapter 4 is as clear as it possibly can be. It could be hard. So if I say something today that is difficult for you to swallow, please remind yourself that that's not coming from me, but that's coming from God's holy word. When the Bible says the Bible is like a two-edged sword that cuts going and going and coming, you know what that means? It's very simple. The Bible's like a two-edged sword. <laughs> it cuts both coming and going. It's sharp is what it means. And, and when the Bible cuts us in the area of our life, that area needed what? Cutting. It, it needed worked on. There's not one of us here this morning that don't need to hear from James chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. This includes every single one of us. Because no matter who you are, from the elementary that's with us here today, up until the senior citizens that are here with us today, you've struggled with fighting. You really have. Man, I struggled in elementary school with fighting. I did. Because my mom told me I wasn't supposed to do it. And my, mom, my dad told me I was supposed to do it. You know what I'm saying? One, one, on one end, they say, well, if someone slaps you, just turn the other cheek and go on. And dad says, somebody slap them, you slap them harder than they've ever been slapped in their life. So I'm like, okay, who do I listen to here? You know what I'm saying? And you ask, well, who do you listen to? I ain't going to tell you. <laughs> Between you and the good Lord right there, amen? But... How we look in James opens the door for us. Let's start with James chapter 4 and verse 1. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure and that war in your members? So the first and most obvious problems we have with fighting is that we fight with each other. What is causing the quarrels and fights among us? So when you hear phrases in the Bible as you're studying, like among you, it will remind you of other scriptures in the Bible that use that same phrase, among you. When I was studying this week and last week, <clears throat> when I read that word among you, that phrase among you, it took me back to John chapter 8 and verse 7. In John chapter 8 and verse 7, there's a lady of ill repute 
who is, has a group of men standing around her with rocks. And they're literally going to throw those rocks at her. And in enters Jesus. And he kneels down and he starts drawing in the, in the sand. <clears throat> a lot of people ask me all the time, what in the world was Jesus drawing in the sand when he knelt down there on his knees? Was he writing the names of the people who those men had had affairs with? Could have been. I don't know. He could have been running a football play around the corner like me and you did back in the day. There's different things he could have been doing when he wrote in the sand at that, at that time. But he stems up and he, he looks in John chapter um, 8 and, and verse um, 7. He that is without sin, who among you, how does that include among you? It's all of us, right? He that is without sin among you, let him cast the first stone. When we understand among you, Jesus was allowing those men to understand that they all deserve to be stoned themselves. They had sinned and came short of the glory of God. And he's saying, if you don't have any sin, go ahead and cast a stone. But Jesus not only knew that they had sin, he knew that the, what the sin was that they had committed. Today, Jesus does not know, only know that you are fighting and I like to fight. He knows exactly who you're fighting and who you like to fight. He knows all these things already. So he knows among us our difficulties on our, who we're having problems with today. <clears throat> Psalms 133 verse 1 says this, Behold, how good... And how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Amen. It's beautiful. It's, it's amazing to see brothers and sisters in Christ dwelling together in unity. It's amazing to see siblings, brothers and sisters in blood, dwelling together <coughs> um, in, in unity. It's, it's beautiful. Uh, my sister is in um, Florida. And my brother is in California. Man, when we have that many miles together, we're the greatest brothers and sisters in the world. We do. We get along. We enjoy each other. We wish each other happy birthday. All those things. But when we all get together in the same room, it's not so easy. You know what I'm saying? The reason is because they're bad and I'm good. They're wrong and I'm right. And that's what happens. You know what I'm saying? And in long distance, we're okay, but you bring us together and it's a different story. But it's beautiful when we dwell together in unity. And that's what we should want. But we do fight against each other and we always have. At the very beginning, Cain killed Abel. Why in the world did Cain kill Abel? Because of jealousy. God spoke to them to bring an offering to the Lord and he told them what kind of offering to bring the Lord. And the Lord spoke and Abel listened and brought an offering to the Lord that was worthy of God. But Cain 
thought better and said, you know what, I don't have any blood sacrifice to offer. I don't have any animals. I don't have that. But that which I have, I'll give. I, I'm in the vegetable business. So I'll offer that what I think is best and give. But we don't understand even in America today, we feel like for some reason that we can give God whatever we want to give him. But God has not asked us to give him whatever we want to give him. He has told us what to give him. To be a living sacrifice that is holy, holy and acceptable unto God. Abel was told what to give and he gave exactly what we was told. Cain was told what to give and he refused to do that. So he gave what he wanted to give instead of what God asked for. And what happened was God blessed the offering that Abel gave but rejected the offering that Cain gave. Cain got mad with jealousy and killed Abel. Fighting started because of selfishness and jealousy in the heart of man. Lot fought his uncle Abraham. You know what, over? This is how we know that Lot was from eastern Kentucky. Lot fought Abraham over what? land you know what is happening in eastern Kentucky and western West Virginia right now in majority of our families fighting over what land that's what happens God's word is powerful and it knows these things the members of the Corinthian church were suing each other the members of the Galatian church were biting each other so there's always been this fight that we're fighting one another why we are family. We say or serve the same Savior, and we should not fight each other. But why do we fight? The simple reason is this. We fight because we think we're both right. We think it was someone else's fault, not my fault. It was someone else's mistake, not my mistake. It was someone else's wrongdoing, not my wrongdoing. I was right, and you're wrong, and we're going to fight to prove it. Let me share this with you, and I hope it bothers you, and I hope it bothers me. The next time I'm fighting, I want my mind and the Holy Spirit through this to be able to ask me, are you being selfish right now? Are, are you being selfish right now? Thinking you're right and someone else is wrong? And then I hope in the middle of the fight it ruins a good fight. Right? Right? I hope it ruins it. And it teaches us that we don't, shouldn't be fighting because we're just fighting because we think we're right and someone else is, is wrong. Why do we do that? We fight with each other because we are at war with ourselves. Read with me in James chapter 4, verses 1, 2, and 3. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Listen, he answers it. Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your own members selfish desires that's fighting you that you and I fight with every single morning of I'm right and everybody else is wrong you lust and you do not have you murder and covet and cannot obtain you fight and war yet you do not have because you do not ask you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your own 
pleasures. First and most obvious, we fight each other. But the reason that we fight each other is because we're losing the war within us. The fight that is in us is being lost, and because that fight within us is being lost, we're fighting someone else. What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? They come from our evil desires that war within us. The war within me causes me to be at war with you. Listen, the war within you causes you to be at war with someone else. When you woke up on the other side of the bed, you really didn't wake up on the wrong side of the bed. You have an evil desire in your heart to make you aggravated like you are. And that makes me aggravated like I am. And that's what we're fighting every single day. Selfishness is ugly. It's as ugly as it can possibly be. Eve disobeyed God because she wanted to eat of the tree that she was told she wasn't able to eat from. How many other trees could she eat from? Any of them. But that one tree she couldn't eat from, so she got mad because she couldn't eat from that one tree. And she thought that God was holding back on her, so she was eight of it anyway. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned away every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. That's what happens. Selfish desires in our lives are dangerous. We lust. We murder. We covet. We fight. And then he even says this, you even pray wrong. Has anybody in your life loved you enough to walk up to you before and say this? You know what your problem is? You're praying wrong. You're praying wrong. And that's what James says. Your problem is you're praying wrong. We need to hear that. Guess what? My prayer life is not where it should be. Ooh. But guess what? Your prayer life's not where it should be either. We need to work on our prayer lives. But he says you're, you're praying wrong. You ask, um, you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss. You may spend it on your own pleasures. You're asking for things just because you want more things. There's a huge difference today between what you want and what you need. There's a guy whose name is, um, I think it's Frederick or Ferdinand Porsche. Which one is it? None of you know why, because we don't have no Porsches, right? Um, had more Porsches, we'd have the answer to that. But this guy who, owned, who came up with Porsche, he said this, I do not deal with needs, I deal with wants. You know why you can sell a car for $180,000 that's used? Because you're not dealing with needs, you're dealing with wants. We have to understand today as we pray, pray the difference between a want and a need. There's a lot of things we want, and there's a few things we actually what? Need. And he's saying you ask, don't receive, because you ask amiss. Um, there is a... Uh, uh, I know I drive people nuts with this, but I love driving people nuts. I, I listen to country music. But listen, I'm tone deaf. I don't listen to country music because I like country music. I like making fun of country music. Um, but I enjoy it because that's, I minister in eastern Kentucky and western West Virginia. Right now, there's more people who listen to country music where we're at 
than anybody else in a place. So I listen to country music so I can understand what the people around me believe and think. So I was listening to a guy named Jelly Roll. 8.30, there was only three people who knew who Jelly Roll was. Now I'm in a room full of a bunch of people who know who Jelly Roll is. 8.30 group was like, yeah, I like those. They got donuts, a little powder on top of it. You know what I'm saying? But Jelly Roll ain't this piece of pastry anymore. It's a big old guy looks like my cousin Brent. Um, and, and, he, and he sings. And this is a song that he sings and I, I'm not joking. These are his lyrics, but they're as honest as they possibly can be. I only talk to God when I need a favor. I only talk to God when I need a favor. You know, Jelly Row was raised in church. I'll show you why here in a minute. But he is brutally honest. You know how many lives born again believers would be changed today if you repented of your sins and said Lord the only reason I ever talk to you is when I need a favor forgive me and I want to talk to you not because I need a favor but because of who you are and you have shown favor upon me but he starts out and he says Lord uh, he says I only talk to God when I need a favor but listen, he says this, but God, I need a favor. I can't remember what he needed. His dog died or he lost his job or he lost his girlfriend. One of those three things happened. Um, but, but he needed a favor. Listen what he says. I know amazing grace. What does he mean by that? I know amazing grace. He was raised in church. He went to vacation Bible school. He, he knew his books of the Bible probably at one time. He, he knew the song. He knew everything about it. But listen, I know amazing grace, but, listen to this but, I ain't been living in them words. I ain't been living those words. And he continues on, and he says something so profound. I'd love to meet this man. He said this, so tell me. Who am I to expect a Savior? He realizes that he knows Christ and he believes in Christ. And the only time he ever talks to God is when he needs a favor. And now he's realizing that because he's so unfaithful to God, why does he think that God would ever listen to him? Why does he think that God would ever, ever save him and the next thing he says is this when I only talk to God if I need a favor sad thing about the whole entire song is there's no change he realizes what the problem is I only talk to God if I needed a favor he realizes he does not even deserve a favor because of his unfaithfulness to God but yet he still lives the same way he always has lived. You know what he's doing? He's representing this world. He's saying, you know what, I know the truth. I know all these things, but this is not how I'm, I know how I'm supposed to be going to live. 
but I'm not going to do it. I refuse to do that. But yet he still needs what? A favor. We today need to understand that people don't need to understand a Jesus of, the, of this world. But they need to know a Jesus that's real. That is not Santa Claus that shares out favors with people um, when he wants to or when he does not want to. But he's a savior who pays for the sins of mankind. He washes away their sins from this world. And he today is able to be confronted and asked today for salvation. You can come to Jesus and ask for forgiveness and he will give you forgiveness. When our prayer life is wrong, everything's messed up. Selfishness is found in our living, but selfishness is also found in our praying and it always leads to our fights that we're in. If there is a war on the inside, there will be a war on the outside of your life. Selfish people are unhappy people. They don't enjoy life. They are always looking for something that will make them happy. And when the real problem is unable to be found because it's not in this world, in the circumstances of this world, the real problem is in their heart. And the real problem is that they need to repent of their sins and to believe in the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Why is there a need to give up our evil, um, our selfish desires? Why is there a need for that? Because of this. The war that was in us is real. And we fight this. When we, we have this war and we lose this war, we end up fighting one another. But there is a war that we should be fighting. Not with each other, but against the world today. The Bible says in, in um, James chapter 4, in verse 4, where adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with this world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy, an enemy of God. We need to realize today that we are at war with this world. Most people today feel like that we're in a comfortable place in society right now. But if you realize it, this world hates the church. This world hates God and does not want anything to do with Jesus Christ. I would love to believe it's some other way, but that's exactly how it is. And in James chapter 4 and verse 4, he tells us and he warns us not to be friends with this world. Why not to be friends with this world? Because who this world is. This world tells us that we should ha enjoy every one of our, our desires. This world tells us that selfish desires are normal. This world tells us that every desire we have needs to be met. And if we meet all of our desires, or if we meet all of our selfish desires, then the happier we're going to be. But that is not what? True. Because the Lord himself, when he died upon the cross of Calvary, I was on his mind. He gave up 
everything, heaven even, for me. He was not selfish, but he was the opposite of that. He was giving. And we do not want to be friends with this world because these, this world's selfishness. We want to be friends with God because God is the one who is able to give. But the problem is we end up being more friendly to this world than we are to God. That's why he refers to us, the church, in verses 4 as adulterers and adulteresses. We don't use the word adultery anymore because it is no longer um, a problem in America. No longer a, a, an issue in this world because we've erased it as being a problem. The only person in this world right now that seems like has a problem with adultery is God. It's normal for everybody else. But you know what? It's still a what? Sin. And it's still against God. Webster defined adultery as this. Adultery is defined as a voluntary, and I'm going to put in there relationship because the kids are among us right here today. Adultery is defined as a voluntary relationship between a married person and someone who is not his or her spouse. Listen, it is considered objectionable, unsocial, religious, moral, and legal grounds. Not anymore, but when Webster wrote that, it was. When we are friends with this world, we are being unfaithful to the Lord. We need to understand that. It's called spiritual adultery. The believer is promised as the bride of Christ. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, in verse 2, the Bible says, For I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. For I have betrothed you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ Jesus. We must be faithful to Christ and not to this world. That's what spiritual adultery is. I, I love Western movies and there's a couple of you all who, who do that as well. And on one of our streaming devices the other day, and I wish I could remember which one it was, there was, a, there was a Western that was on there, and I clicked on it and started watching it. And the name of the, the, the Western guy, the cowboy that was on there, was Michael Hosea. And I'm thinking, that's an odd name for a cowboy, Michael Hosea. And I started watching the movie, and this young man falls in love with this beautiful little lady, in the city that, that he, he lives in. And he, he just is taken by her. And he does his best to find her and, and try to get her attention and, and court her in the way that he could get her attention. But it comes to find out that she's a prostitute. So he don't know what to do. So he goes home and forgets her. <clears throat> or tries to forget her. But he can't get her off his mind. And he constantly remembers her and thinks about her. So he goes back uh, to the city and tries to build a relationship with her to get her out of that situation. 
And finally she gets beat up really bad and he gets her out of the situation and he marries her. Um, but what happens after she gets, they get married, she ends up going back into that job time after time after time. And he goes back and gets her and brings her back home and forgives her. Then finally she goes, and I'm not going to ruin the whole movie for you, um, but in uh, most people watching that, I don't think even understood what was happening. But the reason why that young man's name is Michael Hosea is because that movie, Redeeming Love, was made after the book of Hosea. And God told Hosea to marry Gomer. And Gomer was a prostitute. And the reason that God told Hosea to do that was to allow him, Israel, allow Judah to understand at that time what it was that Israel, Judah, Judah was committing spiritual adultery against the Lord. Judah committed this spiritual adultery by adopting the sinful ways of the nations that they were a part of, by um, worshiping pagan gods and other gods that were in that place. And what happened was that Israel got the point and they saw that's how we're living. That's what we're doing today. And I know that me and you are scared when we hear stuff like that and we get drawn back. And when I said that at work, prostitute a couple times, I heard some of y'all go, it's scary. You know what I'm saying? We don't like to talk about stuff like that. But what James is allowing us to see is this. We are not to be friends of this world because we are married to Christ. We're the bridegroom of Christ. We're set up for that marriage. We are to be faithful to Christ and Christ alone. My flesh is an enemy of God. If I live for my selfish desires, I cannot be faithful to God. This world is an enemy to God. And whoever is a friend of this world cannot be faithful to God. Today, if you're mad at someone, you're being selfish. Right? We don't want to hear that. Because all of us have a problem with somebody. But all of us have a problem with what? Selfishness. That's who we are. Are you in an unhealthy relationship with this world? You know why? Because of your heart problem. And I wanna, I've made a couple of people mad. I'm just going to go ahead and make the rest of you mad. Is that okay with you all? Baptist preachers forever have been against gambling. Hang in there. It'll only take a minute, I promise. I have always struggled with a, as a Baptist preacher why gambling is wrong. I've always taken the angle that you're taking food out of your kid's mouth. I, that's how I've shot people. You know, hey, you're taking kids out, food out of your kid's mouth, and that's how I've done that. But I was reading it last week with Adrian Rogers, and he shared something with me in that book that I don't think I've ever heard in my life. I'm having a friend right now that's struggling with this, so I'm learning more about it. He shared with me that the reason why sin, why gambling is a sin is simply this. If you own a restaurant and you make a meal 
and you serve someone that meal and they purchase it, you win because you sold them the meal. The person who bought the meal won because they ate your food. So it is a what? Win, win. Both parties got what they wanted and what they asked for. So it was a win-win. But then he shared this, and I had never thought about this before. He said this, in gambling, that is not a possibility. In gambling, you only way you can win is if there's a loser. You cannot win in Las Vegas unless someone loses. You say, well, that's not true. Well, how in the world do they build them casinos? Right? The only way you can win is if someone loses. And so what we're doing when that's a sin when we're gambling, listen, is we're taking money away from someone else that lost that money. And you say, well, that's their business. Okay, that's their business. But you're, you're getting richer on someone else's poverty. You're gaining filthy lucre from someone who's made a bad decision. And then pretty soon they're going to gain it from you because you just made a bad decision. In the 830 service, we had an elderly man who shared his heart with me. And I asked if I could share, and I think, and he said he could. We, I could. I'm going to give his name. But when he was in the military, he started playing poker. And one night, he'd never played before. He'd always been amazed at it, and he's never played. He had a, all his buddies around the table, and he'd been sharing Christ with them their whole life, their whole time there. And they wanted him to play poker, so he played poker with them. He beat all of them, took all their money. And all those guys were like, how in the world did he do that? He cheated. You know, he, he knew how to play poker, and he's robbed us. And this Christian here is took and taking all of our money. He said that night he could not sleep because he knew all the money that he had came because they lost. And he said, I can't handle this money. I can't have it. So he called all those boys back, and he divvied up all of his money back to those boys. And he told them, he said, I could not handle the fact that I took your money away from you and you lost it. I cannot be winning when you're losing. And he did not even understand at the time what he was doing. But you know what? When we gamble, it's being selfish because we're winning at someone else's expense. I never even thought about that. But there's so much in our life today that we do that's selfish, that we don't care about this world. We don't care about what something else is happening to somebody else as long as we're okay. But what God says is this, that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. This world tells you to live your, get anything you want, do whatever you want, however you want, don't care what happens, who you hurt or who you don't want, just do whatever makes you feel right. But what God says is that I tell you what to do and you're here to love one another, to care for one another, to pray for one another, to encourage one another, to build one another up, not to destroy one another, not to kill one another, not to steal from one another, because that's how the world lives. And we today are not to be friends of this world, but friends of a God Almighty who loves us. And that's the difference between living as a friend of this world 
and a friend of God. And what happens is this. We have to take every thought that we receive and put it through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 5, listen, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 5, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. But listen to this last part and understand simply this, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ Jesus. You know what that means? If we're ready to fight somebody, run that by Jesus. Would he want us to fight that person? Would he be ready to fight that person? Uh, all these thoughts that we're having, we ought to put them in captivity and, and allow them to be um, seen by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as they should I say that? Should I, should I do this? Should this be the way that I be living? Is this how I should be behaving at this moment? And we allow every thought that we have to be put under captivity in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Then we're going to understand what it means to live a life that brings honor and glory to God. Not like this world lives, but the way God has prepared us to live. And you say, preacher, <laughs> you're asking a lot. You're asking way too much. I agree with you. There ain't no natural way in the world that we're going to get some of us to quit fighting. We like it too much. You know what I'm saying? I mean, sarcasm for me is like bread. You know what I'm saying? I just enjoy it. I, 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 I like it. I mean, we enjoy when someone says something wrong, saying, you know what, it's, it must be amazing to be so wrong sometimes. You know what I'm saying? You really enjoy being wrong all the time because you're wrong a lot. We enjoy that, right? So you say, how in the world are we going to do that? How are we going to learn to, to not be selfish and always want to be right and want someone else always to be at wrong or fault? What's going to happen? What's going to change? Well, it's not nothing natural that's going to happen. It's something supernatural that's going to happen. God is going to create in us a new heart. Psalms chapter 51, in verse 10, the Bible says, Create in me, O Lord, a new heart. That's what we need. Create in me, O Lord, a, a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. When we're getting ready to fight, Lord, Create in me a new heart that doesn't want to fight. Lord, create in me a new heart that does not want always to be the spouse that's right. Create in me a new heart that allows me to be the work guy that's not the bully. Create in me a new heart that allows me to be humble. Lord, create in me a new heart that changes who I am. Why? Because I don't want to look like this world. But I want to look like Jesus. This world says just get all you can get. Do what you want. Fulfill every desire you've ever had in your life. But on the other end, the greatest desire I have is the purpose that I was created. To bring honor and glory to God. On the world side, it's bring honor and glory to yourself. 
on God's side is bring honor and glory to Him. This morning, the greatest honor and the greatest glory that you could give is giving your life to Jesus Christ. To say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Come in my life and save me. Today is that day of salvation. And believer, we're struggling as well. We got some feuds hanging out there on the side. We got little spits and spats and little things that are going on around us. Lord, create me a new heart, a clean heart, where I don't want to fight. That what I want to do is bring honor and glory to your holy name. But there are some things out there that we can fight for. And I'm going to fight for the gospel of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm going to fight for the faith that God has given me. I'm going to fight for the church that God's allowed me to be a part of. But I'm not going to fight for all my own selfish desires. But what I want to do is to give myself to the Lord. And that's the prayer that we should have this morning. Lord God, we love you and we thank you and we praise you for who you are. Lord, we know that storm that just happened outside. We didn't even know that was coming. But Lord, it came down hard and quick. And Lord, there's times in my life that's how it happens. I'm not even expecting a fight, but it comes hard and quick. And Lord, what I do is selfish. I lose my temper and I say things that I didn't want to say and didn't even think I wanted to say but I said them Lord because I wanted to be right Lord I'd ask for forgiveness that you would create in me a heart that I don't want to be right but I want you to be right and I want your righteousness to be known throughout the land that you're the only one who's not sinned and come short of this glory but you deserve all the glory and honor in this world and Lord, may we proclaim that good news today. In Jesus' precious name we do pray. Amen. Let's stand and respond to the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, this morning. Give the voice of love its call. There's a chair that waits for you. standing 